This is the Amazing Women Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Kopman, where I interview successful businesswomen. So, as my mother used to say, pay attention, you might learn something. Today's guest is Jenna Bianca Villa. She's the principal of Pearl Capital Management, a holistic financial planning firm. Jenna has won many awards, one of them being the 40 Under 40 Award by the Phoenix Business Journal. It is my great pleasure to introduce Jenna Bianca Villa. Hi, Jenna. You build yourself as a complete financial expert. Um, tell me, what does that actually mean? Uh, that means I take a holistic approach to financial planning. So I talk about a lot more than just the assets that we manage, the accounts that a client has us do the money management for, but also we talk tax planning, we talk real estate analysis, and we talk estate planning, sometimes marriage, divorce, sending your kids to college, all sorts of pieces that actually impact your finances. So pretty much anything that has to do with money, you do it all. You do it all. That's great. One stop shopping. Well, you know, do you do you agree that a lot of financial advisors, they look at people's stock portfolios and it ends there. They don't really look at the whole person's life to see how the different pieces work together. And that's probably not the best way to do things. So you take a different approach, don't you? Absolutely. And to your point, yes, most financial advisors are commission-based stock pickers, and they just manage the dollars. They don't manage the holistic plan, which is your entire net worth. Sounds good to me. Now, I notice here in your bio, it says you're an award-winning entrepreneur. Now, what awards have you won? Um, most recently, I was awarded the 40 Under 40 Award through the Phoenix Business Journal. Um, yeah, that's a big deal. I had to be nominated several times to get that one. Uh, luckily, I grabbed it before turning 40. And also, they're Outstanding Women in Business. Uh, I think both of those I received in the last year. Well, that sounds like quite the accolade to me. Uh, you have to be nominated, then you have to be voted in, and uh, you've got lots of competition, right? Absolutely. Now, I know the, your business a little bit because I've been in it myself, and I know it's extremely competitive, and, and also it's full of people who claim to be financial advisors but don't really know all that much than the person they're advising, <laughs> put it bluntly. You, you uh, have also a different approach to that. I know that you're highly educated, but I believe you also told me when we talked earlier that you have a whole... A uh, whole bank of people that you rely on to help you find investments and manage portfolios. Can you talk to a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, so the approach to growing my business, um, I realized when you grow a business, you have to delegate something. You, you can't be every single piece of the pie. And I wanted to really add value when I delegated, not just find a whole bunch of people to do paperwork, but, but what could add value to my clients? And because all of my clients loved me and they wanted to meet with me and get the, the planning done, I thought, why not try outsourcing the actual investments? And so now we're adding multiple different money managers from around the entire country, beautiful, bright minds that are putting together insanely successful portfolios that are better than I can do. So I've actually been able to um, get about 80% of the assets that I manage uh, to have help from people anywhere from... California to New York and Michigan and everything in between, uh, people who are looking at the investments all day, every day, while I'm sitting in meetings and taking phone calls and Zoom calls and actually being the advisor to my clients. 
oh, so you're really doing what you say you're going to do. You walk the walk and you've put your ego aside and let the people who know more than you do about at least some things take care of that portion of the business, which I assume serves your clients a whole lot better than if you would try to just do it all yourself. Well, it's adding another layer of diversity. Everyone knows that investments is, diversity is king. That's how you have a great investment portfolio. And now I added more minds to the investment strategy and, and added extra layers of diversity other than just investment diversity. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So how long did it take you to go from zero to hero? You know, you didn't start out as this great award-winning financial advisor, right? It must have taken you a while to get there. How did you get there? How long did it take? And, you know, did you get your training from any particular place or is it just from the School of Hard Knocks? So I started out uh, cutting your teeth. Is that what they call it? Uh, in offering free college planning advice. So I went to every single high school in the state of Arizona uh, and drove to the far corners of the state and taught the financial aid night. And then I offered free college planning and helped people get scholarships. And my shtick was karma works. I am doing all this for free and helping you save sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars on college costs by finding new scholarships. By the way, I'm also a financial planner and I would love for karma to work in my favor. And it worked. Um, and, but boy, did I spend about seven years, the first seven years, uh, constantly in meetings. I think I did eight meetings a day helping people get scholarships. And, you know, out of a week, maybe one person might have been a client and the rest of them was just free advice and I learned a lot. I saw so many different financial situations and, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I know it was hard work, but boy, did I learn what works and what doesn't work. Uh, so you were an overnight success after seven years of very hard work. <laughs> yeah, overnight. Right? Well, people That's in this industry think that they're going to overnight get someone to trust them with all of their money with zero days of experience. And it's, it's not that business. Usually your first five years are always pretty, pretty tough because you're learning. Yeah. So, so if you had to give a newbie, you know, somebody who wanted to enter your profession from, from scratch, basically uh, one piece of advice that would serve them well, would it be that, that just pay your dues, take your time, do what you have to do and it will come. Just, you don't expect to get success in the first year. Uh, yeah. Also make, make a five-year plan, make a 10-year plan, know where you want to go because you don't necessarily want to be stuck, held captive at a big wirehouse where you can't bring your clients with you if your end goal is to be an entrepreneur and own your own business. Um, also, you have to put your ego aside because you can't be everything to everyone. And I, I, I like to use the analogy um, that I don't want a male gynecologist. And some people don't want a female financial planner and you can't take that seriously or to heart. You can't take that to heart. Okay. So one of my favorite questions is, you know, have you had any spectacular failures in your career that you've learned something from? I, I know that for some reason, many people are, they're afraid to fail. You know, they want to go into business for themselves, but they're afraid to fail. And so they often don't do it. But if they hear enough stories of people, who have become successful, but who failed at first, they're a little less hesitant to, to jump in and try it. So do you have any uh, stories of uh, something you tried that really didn't work or some kind of disaster or anything that somebody could take, a, take away a lesson from to 
give them some inspiration? Well, when I was leaving my, the firm that I spent seven years at doing the college planning, um, it was actually to join another team. That was, that was the plan. I was going to run the, the West Coast division of a Georgia-based company, and I put a lot of trust into them. And at the 11th hour, right when I was telling all my clients we were moving, we were doing something different, uh, they sold the business. <laughs> there was new ownership. Oh, and no. the rug got pulled out from under me. I wanted to just crawl in a hole and cry. But I had promised all of my clients that I would take care of them. And we were in motion. And I knew where I was previously wasn't the right place for them. And so I took a horrible moment um, where I really did want to just not do anything and cry. And I started a business. Uh, I wasn't ready to start a business. I was 29 years old. 29 year old females do not own investment companies. It's just, it's not heard of. You're not old enough to do it at that point. Not typical, um, no. But I did. And here I am five years later and uh, I have $140 million under management. So it's working. Wow. 140 million. That's great. That's a lot actually. Thank I you. think sounds like a lot to me anyway. Yeah, I'm considered a big RIA, Registered Investment Advisory is what the business mm -hmm. is, the subset of business is called. Um, a big one by way of assets, according to the SEC, but probably a little bit smaller by way of people. So I, I've managed to outsource the right things to grow the right way. I see. You don't have a big staff. In other words, you uh, have people you rely on, but they don't necessarily work for you. They work with you. Absolutely. Right? I, actually, I like that. All right. So the lesson to take away here is <laughs> know who you're getting hooked up with and be prepared to pivot radically if you have to, right? If something happens, you have all these great plans and the things are working out, shit happens, right? And the next day you could be out of work and don't let it stop you. Just open up another door. Absolutely. I, I love the quote that your career is not this ladder everyone told you it was going to be. It's a jungle gym and sometimes there's shoots and slides <laughs> downwards to get to the next level. Yeah. Now you said something that caught my interest when you said when you're with this company, you were about to be uh, promoted to, uh, what was it, some kind of regional manager position? Uh, what was the name of that title? You know, it, it was kind of just running the whole West Coast division. Oh, is that all? Just running the whole West just, Coast? Just, huh? just, you know, <laughs> hiring all the people and running the whole thing. So they had a, okay. a big office based in Georgia, and they wanted me to have the, a duplicate office in Phoenix and run it. Well, you got you got to understand, at least from, from my point of view, that sounds like quite the accomplishment right there. Uh, you were fairly new in the business, fairly young, actually. And here you're asked to run the whole... West Coast, that's not something you're running to on a daily basis. You know, so you were, I wouldn't necessarily call you a superstar from day one. Maybe you are, but still, you stood out from the, the average financial advisor if you got an offer like that. What was yeah, it? I Does it sound better than it was? There's three, three components. I love people and I genuinely like helping people. I really like solving complex math equations. It's just this fun game for me. And, and the, the more difficult financial situation throw, someone throws at me, the more fun it is for me. Um, and I'm not afraid of hard work. 
And so if anyone listening has those three attributes, it's really easy to be drastically better than everyone else in this business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. Just, uh, what is Woody Allen used to say? What was that? Uh, like, I don't know, 90% of, of success, success is just showing up because so many people just don't show up. Well, they show up late or they show up unprepared. And if you show up and you're prepared and you're on time, that puts you ahead of the pack right away instantly my not a contractor like that he says i always return phone calls i'm always on time if i'm going to be late i call and he says nobody else that i know do that does that all of my customers say hey you're actually here and you're here on time and you've never let me down you make a promise you keep it and, and it sets him apart from his whole industry at least here in phoenix and uh he says it's not that hard you just got to do what you're supposed to do well i know it's a little harder than that but that's apparently part of your key to success is you do what you say you're going to do. From a business perspective, um, for any entrepreneur, it, it's quite a simple equation. Ask people what they expect and what they want, and then tell them what you're going to deliver. And so, yeah, I'll get back to you by Tuesday of next week. Does that work for you? And if maybe there was a time frame in their head that was different. Um, so know what that is. Um, and then just do what you say you're going to do. And it's amazing how those three simple things can surprise people. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's a great piece of advice. It's something that sounds really obvious, but apparently it's not because people don't just don't do that. Well, you... I, I do that with my financial planning meetings. That's one of the first questions I ask is what do you expect to get out of a financial planner? And then I know if I'm going to meet their expectations or not. And also I can just write that down and, and do it. <laughs> and, and I'm doing exactly what they want. So they don't need to have this cookie cutter process that I made up that I think is good. That doesn't work for everyone. I just do what people want. Uh, and I think it works really well in business to, to be a customized customer service provider. I agree with that. When I was doing my financial planning uh, my most common answer when people ask me a question about what to do, I say, I would say, well, it depends. And then I have 50 questions to ask them, right? Because <laughs> everybody's different. Spoken like every financial advisor and attorney in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm not rich like you. <laughs> that's And that's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you told me something else that was I found interesting that, uh, I don't know, maybe other people would find it interesting. Also, you belong to this networking group called BNI, Business Networking International. And uh, you have the position of being the financial advisor in your group. And you go after, uh, what, clients that are over a certain amount of money and assets? I forget what you told me. What, what is your parameters? A quarter million dollars of investable assets. Okay. So and you, okay. And do you, do you have a, a household income minimum as well? No, no? Uh, because you can, you can be retired and have a couple million dollars and I can provide a lot of help specifically with tax planning because taxes can really mess up a retirement plan. So income isn't necessary. It's, it's just the investable assets. Okay. Now, one thing very unusual about you uh, is that you're in this group with one person from every profession. There's one plumber, there's one cabinet maker, there's one contractor, there's, there's one financial advisor usually, there's one insurance agent. And yet 
in your group, there are two financial advisors. You have managed to split your position and you give that other person, what, this, this, you let them have the smaller clients? Is that how it works? Not necessarily. Um, that is kind of how the, the split position started because I had that minimum of $250,000 for investable assets because I don't charge commission. So it's just, I can't provide the value that I think my clients deserve. Um, for assets less than that, because it's, candidly, it's, it's, you know, I'm working for $5 an hour is what the math turns out to. Um, but when you're a commission-based advisor, you can make more money off of someone. So it's different, um, different structures. And he's at a big firm. So he, the person I split the position with is, he's at Ed Jones. And I own my own firm. So I'm this boutique custom. If you grow out of your current financial advisor and you're looking for something different or something more customized. So we really bring two totally different perspectives to the financial advisory space. Some people feel more comfortable with a man who's at a big company and they have a process that you're just going to fit into and you're going to get your, your portfolio that was done by the power of Ed Jones and you know a whole bunch of great minds put together that cookie cutter portfolio that you and everyone else get. Um, and then if you want something completely custom and you want someone who you can text at midnight because everyone has my cell phone number, uh, it's just a different approach to financial planning. Okay. Well, what I hear as well as all that is that you're, you're not greedy. You know, you, most people say, no, I want it all. Anybody comes in and wants financial advice. I want their business and you are not greedy and smart enough to say, you know, I don't really need those type of clients, I, I won't even serve them well, because I don't have the time to devote to make $5 an hour or whatever it comes out to. Uh, and so you said, all right, well, let somebody else take care of those people. And I'll take care of the people that I am best suited for. And I don't need to have the whole pie. And apparently, that was also one of your formulas for success, because you get business that way, right? And you're not bogged down with small how do I put that? You're not bogged down with uh, clients that take up too much of your time where you don't make as much money as you'd like to. Nothing wrong with the client. There's nothing wrong with the client. It's just where I can provide value to people. And that is my business model is providing tremendous value to each of my clients. And to be completely honest about how investments work, um, when you have $100,000, getting an extra 1% isn't really that big of a deal because it's just an extra thousand dollars. Um, you can actually just try to save that, you know, by what the latte factor, not having coffee. You could probably save more money than that difference of a thousand dollars. However, once you have millions of dollars, hiring a financial advisor who can get you one or two or three percent better that's really going to be hugely impactful on your bottom line and your net worth. And so really when you get to that certain point is when people graduate into a more customized bespoke plan, like what we have here. Makes sense to me. Uh, occasionally when people will come to me and they would say, I just want to open an IRA. I want to, I want to put a mutual fund in there or something that kind of, I want to be in the stock market. They don't even know what it means half the time, but they want to follow the stock market. And I look at them and I go, well, I could sell you a mutual fund. I could put you in Fidelity or some other fund. But I always had a hard time with that. Typically, what I would do is I would say, 
you know, just go down the street here at the Vanguard <laughs> and open up one of their flagship S&P 500 index funds. It follows the market. They beat 85% of the other mutual funds out there on a regular basis. And they only charge you less than half percent to manage the portfolio. Why would you pay me one or one and a half percent to do something like that? That's not going to make you any more money. You can just do it on your own or you can go online and do it. Do you agree with that philosophy? I do agree with that philosophy. And when people come to me with less than the $250,000 minimum that I have, I give them that same advice because that's going to be much better than paying any commission-based advisor to try to give them financial advice, especially because they don't, probably they don't have a complex wealth management situation where they're needing to set up trust instead of LLCs to hold their rental properties and try to figure out what's going on with inheritances. Um, or divorce separations. Once they get really complex, that's when you need to pay for an investment advisor. Got it. Something simple, especially if you don't have a lot of money, you might as well just go and get something with a good track record that's inexpensive. And that's, you know, Vanguard is as good as any. Well, and, and the most important factor- uh, By the way, I don't have any stake in Vanguard. I'll make a commission <laughs> if you guys, if anybody goes to Vanguard, I'm just saying what I used to do. It's it's pretty standard advice across the industry, but I was going to say the most important factor for those people is saving, is maxing out your 401ks, not just getting what the, the match is from your employer, but getting that maximum number while you're young, while your expenses are low, saving as much as you can so that you can have the wealth problem a handful of years in the future. Okay. Now... I'm fortunate enough to have guests and listeners that are in the higher income bracket. They have successful businesses. Most of them are women and they've managed to do like you spend several years in the trenches and after seven, 10, 15 years of hard work, they're an overnight success as well. And they've got <laughs> money to invest. And then I find they're just too busy to know what to do with it or have the time even to look at it. And some of them for sure could use your help or somebody like you. Uh, but as far as you're concerned, do you work with anybody all over the country? Are you just in Arizona or what, what's your uh, demographic? What's your, you know, you have boundaries? You know, we can do business anywhere in the country, um, but we don't, we don't go outside of country lines. Um, so all 50 states. And it's, it's really, we are set up to be the best possible advisor to that person who is too busy to think about it. Because now you have, you know, some kind of cross between your mom and your best friend who's nagging you and pushing you to get yourself to the next level. And a lot of times I am someone's nagging mom. <laughs> so, but some people need that. Some people want that. Hey, what are you thinking about your five-year plan? What are we doing with these assets? Why aren't they growing? Why aren't, why aren't your dollars working harder for you? Uh, and so that's, that's where you, where I really earn my weight, if you will. Okay. Well, you know, I would trust you with, with my money, certainly. And uh, I wouldn't have any hesitancy to recommend your services to anybody who fits your parameters. So for those of you listening who do fit those parameters, I would advise you to give them a call or email or whoever. So how can people get a hold of you? Um, I, What's the easiest way to find you? <laughs> you could just call me. Um, I give everyone my cell phone number. Do you want me to just write, tell people my cell phone number on the air? 
<laughs> well, I don't know. You want me to put it in the show notes, or, or how else uh, will they, will they get it? I mean, yeah, you can put my can just... my phone number and my email in the show notes. My email is Jenna J E N N A at thepearlcapital.com. Um, you can shoot me a quick email and all of my consultations are free as with any wealth advisor. So anyone who is shopping wealth advisors, you should do multiple cons consultations with multiple people because it's free. The only thing you have to do is use a little time to really find someone who's going to be a good fit for you that you want to talk to because hiring someone and paying someone that you don't want to talk to isn't going to do much good for you. As always, it's a pleasure talking with you and getting some of your wisdom out there. And so uh, I particularly liked your story of failure that I wouldn't really call it failure. I just say it was bad luck. You, know, you set yourself up for a great opportunity and then the company left, but then you turned, uh, you know, lemons into lemonade by starting your own business. And now look at you doing great. But you have to remember in that moment, you, you're starting a business that you weren't planning to start and you kind of worry, what if that fails too? So it, it was a terrifying moment. And I just want other people to not crawl in a hole like I wanted to crawl in a hole and cry. <laughs> you had to pull yourself out of a crappy situation because if I would have stayed in a hole, I really would have failed. Yeah, okay. Well, it's okay to cry. You just have to get, finish crying and get up and go do it, right? Move on. <laughs> don't, let, yeah. don't let failure stop you. Just It's okay to take the day off, but don't let it stop you. All right. Well, that's, you know, that's a great little nugget uh, word, nugget of wisdom to, to share with my audience. So thank you. All right. Well, um, like I said, it was a pleasure speaking with you and uh, hopefully I will see you again. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>